Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. Good morning, pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I got to say thank you all so much for going to listen to The Craft uh, it is unbelievable to me that I checked this morning and saw that this podcast I do weekly with Eno Saris. Uh, I've been just about pitching for an hour about whatever. It's so fun for me. This podcast was ranked number one in baseball podcasts in Apple. Apparently number 32 in all sports on Apple as well. Um, especially with the Super Bowl coming up next week is just mind blowing. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for subscribing to that, going to listen to the first two episodes. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. That is really my dream podcast, and uh, it's so much fun. So thank you guys so much for making that um, as successful as a debut and introduction as we could possibly hope for, and we're so excited to do so many things with that, not only through uh, through the year, but also beyond. This is really the, I think, the baseball pitching uh, podcast that I, that I want that's outside of fantasy, and Eno is the perfect, perfect partner for that. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about the Dodgers. And uh, I this is the last rotation one. I hope you enjoyed all of these. As far as Pulse Pitch podcasts go, we're not really going to have these until uh, March again. I'm really actually the end of February as I do the spring uh, spring training performances for pitchers. All other kind of preseason stuff is going to be on on the corner with me, and of course with the craft and all. But I this is going to take a hiatus for about I guess it's two and a half weeks. That's it. Until spring training is on 23rd, believe it or not. Yeah, like three weeks. Oh my gosh. Can't wait, guys. Let's do it all together. We'll obviously have a watch party on playback um, where you can watch the live spring training game with me on February 23rd. So that's going to be really fun. I think that's a Thursday. Cannot wait. All right, let's get to it. Yamamoto is here with the Dodgers. I keep going back and forth. I know I have to submit my rankings like tonight. And uh, Tuesday is when my top 300, which is like an 80,000 word article drops. I still am not totally decided on where I'm putting Yamamoto. I kept going back and forth between him and Bobby Miller because in my head, there's a feeling that Bobby Miller is going to throw more innings than Yamamoto. And Nick, that sounds crazy, right? Yes, but also keep in mind that Yamamoto is in is arguably less stretched out than Bobby Miller and is not used to the, the schedule as Bobby Miller was last year, which would suggest that let's say it does turn into a five-man rotation because it is a six-man right now. That, yeah, Yamamoto would be the one that wouldn't be able to handle as much as Bobby Miller. It's just a thought in my head, but I think it's a safer floor with Yamamoto. So fine. Yamamoto is going to be ranked higher than Bobby Miller on uh, on Tuesday. Is he going to be like 19? Is he going to be at 15? I don't know. I'm probably not going to get him because someone else is going to jump for it. The problem to me is that really is capped at 150. Maybe it isn't 
This is something I've been throwing around. Like, it is a six-man rotation. I keep saying that six-man rotation is like the Fellowship of the Ring. It starts with a large party, and then all of a sudden, with grand ambitions, and at the end, you're just struggling with two guys barely getting to the finish line. So, the Dodgers, though, as you'll see, actually have so many options this year. And I, come to think of it, really do think they are going to stick with the six-man. Just because there's, it's so much depth. And everyone was saying, no, they have no depth. No... They have a lot more depth than I thought because they have some legitimate prospect pitchers that should see the light of day if things were to go well. And the signing of Paxton really, really pads this. So Yamamoto, let's say it's 150 innings. He's going to be solid. The thing you really got to think about for your rankings, though, let's say you have someone else going 200, you expect. Well, let's just say it's around like 190. That means that Yamamoto needs to throw 25% higher quality innings than the guy that you have going around 190 or 185 innings. Think about that. 25% better ERA, 25% more strikeouts, 25% more wins. So that means instead of, uh, that means Yamamoto, let's say gets 12 wins. That The equivalent of that would be like uh, 10 or 9 wins, I should say. 9 wins, right? So that guy would get up in there. It's like there, there are different areas of looking at that. Get up in there. That guy would win that one. So... It's really tough for me with Yamamoto, and I don't have an answer for you yet, but there's a part of me that says, like, you know what, I want to get Aaron Nola instead, because you have higher win chance, and strikeouts are going to be a lot more, and uh, ERA and Whippin aren't necessarily going to be so different. So, some things to think about with Yamamoto. He's going to be great. It's just about figuring out volume. That's the hardest thing that we do. Okay. Tyler Glasnow. I, I'm going to have underneath Yamamoto, because I don't think he's going to pitch as many innings. I think that's pretty straightforward. Glasnow has never thrown over 120 innings in a year. Last year's at 120 was his career max. It just doesn't make sense. But a six-man rotation, I don't care. I I just, I can't believe it. I just can't buy into it. He does get hit relatively hard, too. It's also really interesting that the four-seamer does not go upstairs as much as you think. It's less than 40% of the time. He's supposed to be the poster boy for it because he's not really that good at command. He just isn't. Now, I'm happy he had a 7.6% walk rate last year. I really am. It was a 3.53 ERA, guys. It wasn't like he was a sub-3. Like, he gets into treble, and his fastball gets hit pretty hard. The slider is absolutely brutal. It's so good. Um, brutal to hitters. The curveball, everyone wants to talk about its woba and all that kind of stuff. It's silly because he throws it 60% of the time in two strike counts. That means that he's throwing it and getting strikeouts more than he would get balls in play, which is why that woba is so low. Like, a ball in play versus a strikeout. One is a zero woba. The other one doesn't. <laughs> so don't use woba, guys, when assessing pitch, okay? Uh, anyway... Uh, Tyler Glasnow is going to be productive when he starts. It's just a question of how much. And I don't know. There's an argument to be made in your shallower leagues that Tyler Glasnow should be drafted super high because the replacement value that you get on the wire is so much so much of a smaller gap than it is, say, in a 15-team or even a 12. And I go back and forth on that because it is a higher quality of inning than, say, Yamamoto. should be. Just more strikeouts and relatively same similar ERA whip and wins. So, how bad is that guy on the wire that's replacing Glasnow? I don't know. It's uh, it, it's interesting. And considering the fact that Glasnow should be healthy early, and it's more about mid-season or so, when the waiver wire is worse, I'm not a huge fan of that. So, I just I just don't want to do it. I don't deal with it. I love Bobby Miller, though. And Bobby Miller, 376 ERA, 110 whip across 124 innings, more than Glasnow's ever thrown in his life. Uh... <laughs> Uh, 24% K rate with a 6% walk rate. ICR was just 35%. And this is really the thing about Bobby Miller. He hits, essentially ticks all the boxes 
uh, for what I look for in a breakout starter, save for the fact that it's a six-man rotation. So 150 innings. I'm going to sit here and say, yes, it's going to be a six-man because I think the Dodgers are going to have enough options. If they need someone else, it gets on the deadline, etc. So that means to me that Bobby Miller, even though he takes the other boxes of having a really good floor that doesn't allow super hard contact, he has the walk rate you still want, doesn't have a hit rate that's going to be above eight. It should be lower than even than 7.6, I think, because these are humans. The humans get better uh, over time or they change, you know, uh, they develop or they degrade. And the hardest part thing that we do is figuring out, uh, can we just like say like this is what they are or they develop or not? And Bobby Miller is very much of a developer guy. Anyway, he also has a higher ceiling than that floor, right? I think he only gets better this year. And across the board, his stuff is just so good. He just doesn't throw high four seamers and that slider should be way better than the 14% swing strike rate he got last year. And that's it. That's really like Bobby Miller is he has a legit curve. Sinker and four seamer are both great at limiting hard contact. 31% ICR on that sinker overall, which is crazy because he throws 98-99, okay? I mean, he's so good. Team context, of course, amazing. I want Bobby Miller everywhere, and I don't care what anyone tells me. Don't chase the other young guys. Bobby Miller is the one you want to chase, but a 23.6% K rate. Don't care. That's going to get better because the slider is not going to hold a 14% swing strike with this year. I'm willing to wager that his slider, Bobby Miller's, is going to have a better than 14% swing striker. It's just, that that's what it's going to be. Okay, uh, Walker Bueller. Uh, Walker Bueller is going to return this year at some point, and it's driving me up the wall. And there's so many other things to talk about with Walker Bueller. We're going to talk about all of that after this break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So looking at Walker Bueller, I obviously, as you guys know, I've really overhauled my process of assessing pitchers this past year, using ICR to really gen- to understand contact, to understand strike rates, to understand pitch shape of fastballs. We want really good VAAs. We want good IVBs, right? IVB being vertical break and VA being the arm angle, um, extension being such a huge thing of it and locations and all this kind of stuff where back in the day with Walker Bueller and also, of course, lefty righty splits. Absolutely. I didn't really understand it. I knew that he had a good fastball and it was just always watching him felt like it was good, but I didn't quite like understand Walker Bueller. But then I looked at all this stuff now this offseason and 2021 before sticky stuff ban. It was like an 18 plus IVB. It was like the greatest forcing that ever existed. And then sticky stuff happened and he had like a 16 and change. Like he literally lost two inches of vertical break on that four seamer. He also doesn't really throw it upstairs. Um, in his last season that we saw was 2022 before uh, before he went under the knife was I uh, was a 6% swing strike rate on that four seamer, which is bonkers. And he wasn't even in good command of everything that he had as well. So I'm the way I see with Walker Bueller, 
I mean, this is, we're going to talk about, the, of course, the playing time in a second. But as far as the skill set goes, I think the four-seamer should be better than it was. Just, you know, command it a little bit better or use it a little differently. His cutter is really filthy. His slider is really filthy. The, cur- the curve and change, it's like a very wide arsenal. And all that together just says, yeah, no, he's going to be a productive pitcher. He's not going to be a 402 whip, or so 4 year with a 129 whip and a 21% carry. That to me is just bonkers. He was hurt. It wasn't him. He was out of command. He just wasn't the guy. Um, he's healthy, ready to go now. And I say ready to go, meaning like when he does start, he's going to go. And Walker Bueller, hey, uh, you are not going to start with the team to start the year. And it's not going to be in the IL. He's going to be in the minors. So this is a legitimate stash play, as in like, you have to spend a roster spot on Walker Bueller. And that's rough. And other guys we talk about, oh, cool, you get 140 innings out of this guy or whatever it is. It's probably going to be like 120 because it's a six-man rotation when he shows up. And you're missing a month of that. So like 125 or so. You don't even get 125 plus someone else. You just get 125. Ugh. So that's really disheartening. You're not going to dislike Walker Bueller. I still have some concerns about how good that four-seamer is going to be without the sticky stuff. It wasn't as good in that second half. He still was producing in everything, but there was a little question marks in everything. He's not going to be a four-year in whip, as I mentioned. So he's going to be very beneficial for you. It's just going to be like 125 innings, and you don't get a replacement, which is really, really frustrating. And you don't get that in April, which is where you want to have a replacement and mess around. It has me really not drafting Walker Bueller, and I think people are going to go after him. I originally had him ranked super high because I didn't have this full assessment of the of the pass of Bueller, but also just assumed not six-man rotation and healthy and starting out of the gate like he was a top five ace before, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that's not happening now. Now I'm out on Walker Bueller. You're going to love him in June, but it's, yeah, it's weird. Head-to-head leagues, I'm more inclined because getting to the playoffs, different. Then again, they might actually shut him down because they just wanted to be healthy for the, the playoffs. It's weird. James Paxson's here. James Paxson is kind of like the replacement Walker Bueller that the Dodgers got. Why? Because I feel like James Paxson is going to have like one month and that's it. He's a big sleeper, honestly, to me, because maybe he's just productive for the Dodgers winning ball club, all that good stuff for the first month of the year. That's generally what he does. And then he gets hurt or it's a little bit worse and bam, he's done. Uh, decent enough ICRs last year, 25% K rate. It got a little bit worse as it went on. The fastball wasn't as effective. The, uh, the curve and the cutter, he never really got into that feel of it, but hey, he's fine now and he should be starting out of the game for the Dodgers and take a chance on that one. Um, that's pretty much it with James Paxson. Let's should be like your last picker. So do not invest in this for like a full year because there's no way he's pitching for a full year. And the thing the Dodgers know this and the Dodgers made a very smart call, be like, great, we get Paxson. Then we're able to slide in Bueller. It's like the perfect piggyback for a season um and who knows maybe he's healthy enough and he sticks around and that's fine you don't and then they can just have a plethora of options which they won't but that's okay because you also have glasnow there um and then you have emmett sheehan as the number five out of the gates it feels like um it's sheehan paxton um miller yamamoto and glasnow and also keep in mind that like just because walker bueller isn't there it could be still a turn of five with some off days maybe a bullpen game something like that um, you might see some Gavin Stone and everything. We'll get to Stone in a second. But Emmett Sheehan, at the very least, has the number five spot. Uh, and it seems like in a six-man rotation, Sheehan should be able to run with it to be a part of this rotation through the year as long as he's healthy. Uh, I think that his 4.92 ERA last year is not who the guy is. Uh, Emmett Sheehan had like a seven hip or nine and really good ICR marks at just 44%. So good, 26% carry rate. 
Those two right there are so nice. I mean, the walk rate wasn't very good because he couldn't throw strikes as well with his slider and changeup. Um, the changeup only at 58% was a little disheartening. And the slider sometimes acted like a sweeper. is very strange. Like, rarely did. And then was a tighter cutter by the end. I remember hearing reports of that he changed his slider. But then I was like, wait, no, the movement isn't. I thought it would be these outlier sweepers, and they're not. At the same time, Sheehan got into a groove in that last game with that slider. Really, really, really low VAA on his four-seamer. And really good extension, and that's why he had 34% ICR on it. It's really cool. It's at 95. It gets a lot of horizontal run, too. It just moves a ton. Low arm angle. Doesn't necessarily have the greatest IVB, but this thing works. And I'm a fan. I'm a giant fan. 35% ICR for 60% usage on a four-seamer is what? Uh, only 60 innings. Fair. It should probably be a little bit worse over a longer season, but man, that's pretty cool. Now, I will mention, of course, Sheehan could be limited a little bit. Like the Dodgers could do one of those things like four innings, and then maybe they don't even start him like in April or not, and then, I don't know. It's like, it's just so annoying. So, be prepared for that a little bit with Emmett Sheehan, but I'm cool with him near the end of my drafts as just seeing, cool, how is this playing out, and is he gaining opportunities or not? I also think that the the change became be better against lefties at 21% swing strike rate, and I I think the slider is going to be better too. He really does need to complement with that four-seamer. That kind of acts like a sinker, but has enough vertical break that it still works. Um, it's pretty cool, uh, and just allows such little contact. Like, a, like good contact, 35%. It's like, it's wild. Um, other guys on the fringe here. Okay. So this is, this is going to be wild. We got Ryan Yarbrough, who's going to just kind of show up randomly. Like he's going to be one of those opener bullpen games that you're going to see randomly from the Dodgers. And he's going to vulture some wins here and there. He had eight last year in just 90 frames, which is bonkers. Eight wins. What? So Yarbrough is going to find some somehow. And that's just going to be that. Uh, you don't want to touch that, but maybe like desperate streaming vulture game. Okay. That's my favorite video game ever. Uh, Michael Grove has a really good slider. And I don't like the shape of its force of his four seamer at all. He gets a ton of called strikes on them and that's what he's trying to do. It's a really good slider. 27% swing striker against right handers. But this is pretty much the Wasker rule. And, uh, sorry, Michael Grove. I know this time last year I was in Florida, but, like not knowing any of these prospects. I remember going to James Anderson. I think I went to like Rob McCabe as well. Uh, a couple other guys, maybe it was DJ Shore and be like, guys, I feel like everyone's just ignoring Michael Grove because the Dodgers are going to need another pitcher. And like, it's Grove, isn't it? Like he's the next one. What I should have been doing is Bobby Miller. That's what I meant to do. I just didn't know Bobby Miller. I just realized that the Dodgers are going to have a massive hole in their rotation and someone's going to step into it and it like Gavin Stone got a chance Michael Grove got a chance and then Bobby Miller seized it right I just didn't know how Bobby good Bobby Miller was that was on me this year I've done all my research on prospects and uh super stoked about that so anyway Michael Grove really good slider and that's it okay um he has a cutter for a lefty to help against uh to like save against his four seamer but no that four seamer is just so bad it's like 35% or 40% of a seriously detrimental pitch, and that can't work. Gavin Stone had just like terrible bad at ball metrics, uh, ICR rates and stuff. Very few games, it was like eight games that we saw him. So it's not really like a big uh, sample to pull from, 31 frames. The changeup was supposed to be better. He allowed mistakes on that, and it got hit. It was solid, but like it's, you know, it's not enough. And the slider could be good, but... 
there's not enough here from Gavin Stone. Maybe he can get more polished. I don't mean to make like a polished stone uh, reference here or anything like that. But I guess what I'm getting at is Gavin Stone to me is a backup option that the Dodgers would just use to stall as opposed to, oh, cool, Gavin Stone's going to run away with this and be great. I just, I need to see a lot of change there for that to happen. There's Dustin May who got Tommy John. Actually, sorry, he didn't. He underwent UCL revision last July, which generally has a shorter timetable of about 12 months as opposed to like the 14 to 16. So there's a chance that he comes back around the All-Star break or like August, but I don't want to do that. No, we, I don't do that. I, we start talking about like injured stashes like in June or something. If you want to hold on to him in IL stash all year, go ahead. But like, no, right? Like you don't want to do this. Tony Gonson as well. He underwent traditional Tommy John in August. He should be out for the entire year. So I just wanted to put him there and just be like, hey, he's not going to be here. Maybe Dustin May. If you got like an empty thing in the draft, fine. But just know your draft settings, and everything like that. And also, you're going to get more ILs but, or ILs than you have. And drop Dustin May first. Okay, cool. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, same idea. But he's on the Dodgers. That he's a free agent. I know. But like, I, I guess he can't be an IL stash if he's a free agent. But I guess what I'm getting at is the Dodgers are going to sign him. Okay, they're going to sign him like June. There's no way he signs somewhere else. Maybe he signs with Texas, I guess. But like, it's going to be the Dodgers. And it probably will help. Honestly, it probably will help. It's just, uh, it might be a bit of a headache and I'm not going to touch it in drafts. We'll talk about it in season. They have a lot of interesting prospects too, which is very fascinating to me. Um, there's Kyle Hurt, who is pretty dang good. Uh, he throws 95 plus. Um, he retired six Padres batters in his one debut. It was like just, I think six up, six down. Um, with, uh, with a really nice changeup. And didn't even show off a slider that he was developing. That is apparently a gyro slider. He has elite VAA, but average extension in IVB. So Kyle Hurt is someone I'm really questioning here. It's like, hey, look, I'm going to be looking at you in the minors early in the season. And to see if you are developing out those pitches well. And looking like uh, you could slide into one of those spots. Because again... Like Michael Grove and Gavin Stone and Ryan Yarber are not really the backup options here. They have, I mean, I think it's Emmett Sheehan more so. It's going to be Gavin Stone first. But like last year, Bobby Miller wasn't considered. And I think one of these prospects is going to, they are going to do it. They are going to make that leap. It could be Kyle Hurt. And I'll be absolutely focusing on him, make a spec out the second he comes up. But really look, look at him. Um, in April to see how he's developing. Same with River Ryan. He only has four games in AAA. I'm sorry, just two rather. And uh, it was a 96-97 mile per heater in AA. Really, uh, really good VAA. Uh, above average extension that really helps the VAA. He's a very athletic guy, so I understand the extension being good. He doesn't have the best IVB, but I think the VAA is is really good. That makes the heater really play at 96-97. Um, you have a strong curveball you have a 90 91 mile per hour cutter you have a development of a changeup working like he's an electric arm and i i i normally see like these terrible walk rates in the in the past that say oh no right command what's the thing honestly river ryan had like a 10 percent 10 11 percent walk rate in double a and the two games he had like a six percent or something i can see river ryan just exploding up the 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 board for the the dodgers and those two guys, River Ryan and Kyle Hurt, are the ones that you're going to want to watch. There's Landon Knack and Nick Frasso as well. 
I don't think that Frasso's the one. He's a righty, lanky righty with a sinker changeup. And changeup is a big thing here. The sinker seems like it's good. Um, I don't really think that he's a good command guy, though. Uh, it's possible he has a better slider than I'm giving him credit. He could be like a Toby arm, but like this is not the kind of guy you want to chase in my view. Uh, Landon Knack has a 91 mile per hour force him with 17 IVB, but the extension and VAA are not good, and that 17 IVB is just not enough for it being 91. So there's a possibility, though, that that velocity was a product of more of the injuries that he had last year and the year before. He's had some like a weird injury history that has prevented him from really getting to a consistent rhythm. There's hamstring stuff in there. There's shoulder stuff in there way back when. So it's possible that like Landon Knack is throwing 94 or 95 consistently or something like that, like much harder. And then that helps everything else and that makes it work. Uh, so let's see if the swing strike rates can return to like 14, 15% instead of the 10, 11% that it was in AAA, right? He only had a couple starts, uh, 10 games in AAA last year and it was that 10%, 11% swing strike rate. So like if that comes back, okay, maybe I'll take note of that. Um, and then there's Maddox Bruns, who's a lefty that feels like, he, I mean, he's a big power lefty. Uh, throwing 94, 95, if not higher than that. Uh, he has some heavy, like really good reported breaking balls. I see the, I watched the video of it. It looked really good. Um, he's just 22 though, or at least it will be 22 in June. He only played a plus ball. So I really don't expect him to jump up this year, but I felt like he was one of those significant guys that maybe he just dominates when he enters double A this year and then moves up to triple A and so on. So we'll see, um, but, but really keep note of mostly River Ryan and Kyle Hurd at the end of your drafts. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for your support, but my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babs be low and your strikeouts high. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.